Um, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor. We're so grateful that you guys are here. Whether you're joining us in person in the room or maybe you're in the courtyard or you're watching at home, we're grateful to have you. And our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. Uh, I do want to just say thank you, Front Range, because of your generosity. Uh, we're, we're able to, to step in when there's emergencies that happen around our country and around the world. Uh, so I know probably a lot of you have been following the fires that are happening in Hawaii right now. Uh, a lot of people have lost their lives, lost homes, and uh, we have a, a church partnership there. Um, and so we already have boots on the ground. And because of your generosity, we've already been able to give to help people who have lost loved ones or lost their homes or whatever. So I just want to say thank you. Uh, if you want to be a part of that and you want to give to that, then you can. You can go uh, and give to Love and Action through our website or through our app. Uh, but I just want to say thanks. Uh, because of your continued generosity, we're able to step in in moments of need uh, for people all over uh, the world. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do something a little bit different today. We do this a few times a year. We're going to do a survey. Uh, so what I need you to do is pull out your phone. Uh, all of us are going to do this together. Uh, and then there's a QR code uh, right up here on the screen. Or if you're like, I don't know how to do QR codes, uh, there's a website. Uh, once you go to that, uh, then I'll kind of walk us through. Don't submit it too early because I have to like walk through everything just so you know if there's something else to put down at the end. So Go ahead, get out your phone. It's all good. I know maybe you grew up in church where like you got out your phone, you got popped. That's not going to happen here. We want you to do this here. What we do um, a few times a year is do this survey so we can know how to best serve you. And as a church, how to, how to best help you um, on your spiritual journey. And as your journey as a, as a parent or a friend or whatever. So uh, once you do that, if you don't have our app, then you're going to have to put your name and your phone number. If you have our app, it should go straight there. And then it says this, in the last four months, everybody there? Wait, this spot? Almost? If you have AT&T, sorry. You're going to have to do this later. Uh, but for all other providers, you can do this right now. Uh, in the last four months, I have, and then check all that applied. I've read the Bible more than the previous four months. Uh, utilize the message series hubs. We have those for every series. Uh, and I'll talk more about that here in a second. You've engaged in community, which are groups, classes, men's and women's events, uh, next steps, anything like that. Uh, a few things we have coming up. We have a men's retreat this coming weekend. Uh, so men, that's an opportunity for you. We also have a financial class coming up uh, in a little over a week. So if you're interested in that, you can. there's a, a, there's a kind of a, a tell me more about or I'd like more information on a little bit further down. Just type any of that stuff if you want more information about any of that there. Or if you're interested in leading a group, we're looking for hosts. Okay, a host is somebody that has a heart for people, can open up a space or a place, can serve a snack, and can turn on technology, okay? If you can't do one of those four things, then you probably won't be a good host for us. Uh, but if you can do those four things, then uh, we'd love to invite you in that. Again, you can put that in the I like more information on. Okay, you've taken your next step in your generosity over the last four months. We have kind of a giving ladder, so you can see that there. Uh, I've served in the area of the church. You can put that there. Taking a step in my prayer life. Maybe you participated in 21 days of prayer or we did a, a week of prayer and fasting before Easter for friends to be able to come. Or if you're like, I haven't done any of those, that's cool. Put none of the above. There's no judgment. It's just us trying to help our church and, and uh, growth. Uh, next is I'd like more information on uh, Front Range or serving at Front Range. If you're not serving and you want to find out more information, just press yes. Uh, if you're serving and you're like, man, I, I'd like to uh, uh, join another team, you can put yes there. If you're already serving and you're content, then just put that. And if you're not doing any of that... You can hit no. 
Uh, how would you rate yourself in your spiritual growth over the last four months? Uh, that's a, a one through ten. One is like not at all. Ten is not that you're Jesus. Uh, it's just that, man, you feel pretty good about where you're at spiritually and how you've been growing. How can we be praying for you? And I'd like more information on. Once you get all of that, then there's a big button that says submit. Just hit that right there. This is our way of trying to serve you in the best way possible as a church, come alongside of you, care for you, and all of that. So for those of you who took time to do that, thank you uh, for doing that. Uh, okay, by a show of hands, uh, how many of you love to sleep? Anybody love to sleep? Okay, some of you are sleeping right now. Yeah. Uh, how many of you, by a show of hands, you don't get enough sleep in a given night? Yeah, a lot of us. Uh, I love to sleep, but what I love more than sleeping is I love taking pictures of my family members sleeping. Uh, I do it all the time. They can sleep anywhere in any place. I just scrolled through my phone just for a couple of minutes this week, and I found a bunch of them uh, of where they were, they were sleeping, and I'm just like, uh, I'm just capturing. I wish I could show you the places they were at. Uh, and then this last one right here, um, some of you may be like, Ernest, you took a picture of your wife sleeping? No, no, I was actually just taking a picture of the creeper behind her, uh, not of my wife, because uh, I know that will get me into trouble if I took a picture of her like that. Uh, but I, I, I love taking a picture of my family because uh, they can sleep anywhere, anytime, any place. You know who also could sleep anywhere and anytime in any place? Jonah, which coincidentally we're in a series called Jonah. I know, that was a great transition. You guys, you're going to get some of that later. But uh, So right now, we're in a series on the book of Jonah where we're looking at this prophet named Jonah. Now, if you missed last week, you can go to our message series hub. We have uh, all of our messages there. We have also a ton of other content. I was talking with a guy earlier this week um, in our church. He said, man, the message series hubs are huge for me. Um, he's able to take advantage of uh, the different resources that we have on there. There's a reading plan on there. We've also, I challenged everybody last week to just read through the book of Jonah. Uh, the whole book, it's only four chapters, so it's not that long. Just read through it every week and just let's see what God has for each of us as we come, uh, come here on a Sunday and be prepared. Let me give you some context. Uh, Jonah is one of the prophets in the Old Testament. A prophet is someone who spoke God's word to a person or a group of people. In the Old Testament, there are 16 prophetic books, four major, 12 minor. Jonah is one of those books, but it's unlike all the other prophetic books. You see, all the other prophetic books are about the words that were spoken, the words that God had for a particular person or a group of people that he spoke through a prophet. But the book of Jonah is not about the words that Jonah spoke. It's about the prophet himself and kind of his journey. And we see, there's an interesting way that this book is laid out. You've got this huge contrast between this prophet who's supposed to be a man of God, he's supposed to be a follower of God, and yet he rebels from God. And then you have these pagan sailors, this evil king, this evil nation, that they're not supposed to follow God, and they all turn and repent and start serving God. The Bible even says that even the cows somehow repented uh, to God. And so you have this huge contrast between a guy who's supposed to love God and know God, and he rebels from God, and then you have all these other people who are not supposed to know God, and yet they turn to God. The book of Jonah teaches us a, a few things. One, it teaches us that there's a Jonah inside of all of us, uh, that all of us have the tendency to run from God, to rebel from God, no matter how good we are. It also teaches us that uh, no matter your past, no matter your mistakes, that God can use you in a significant way in our world. Uh, and so last week we looked at how God had called Jonah to the city of Nineveh, which was a part of the Assyrian Empire as their capital. And these people were evil, and they were, they were enemies to the Israelites. And so Jonah's called to go there to tell them, hey, your sin has arisen to God, 
And if you don't turn, he's going to kill you. You would think Jonah would want that. Like, let me, take me to my enemies and let me tell them how bad they are. But Jonah's like, I don't want anything to do with that because I know that God's going to have grace on them. So instead of going to Nineveh, Jonah runs 3,000 miles the other way to Tarshish. Uh, and he's not running from the Ninevites. He's not running from the evil people. The Bible says he's running from the presence of God. But today we're going to see how well that, that works for him. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Jonah chapter 1, where we pick up with the stories. Jonah's on the boat, heading away from Nineveh to Tarshish, running from the presence of God. And here's what verse 4 says. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. So Jonah's on this boat, and the storm is, is this massive storm. I mean, it's so big that, that it's written about here. And then there's other historians, and we're going to talk about this next week, that have written about this as well. I mean, this is a big deal. It's almost like God is saying, hey, for a dramatic refusal by my prophet deserves a, a dramatic event to try to turn his heart to me. Now, these sailors, they're experienced sailors. This is what they do for a living, and the Bible says that they're scared. So this must be a massive, massive storm. The sailors start throwing the cargo uh, over, over ship to try to lighten the ship so they maybe can survive. They start praying to their own gods, and it's fascinating because you've got these pagan sailors who are praying, and you've got God's prophet who's sleeping. He's down in the boat just taking a nap. No big deal. And that's where we learn our first truth for today, and that's this, that sometimes we sleep even when storms are raging. Sometimes we sleep even when storms are raging. Jonah's down at the bottom of the boat. He's sleeping. He's probably snoring the boat. If you've ever been in a storm in a boat, it's crazy. I mean, it's scary. You don't want to be there. So everyone's afraid. These experienced sailors are afraid, and yet Jonah is just soundly sleeping in this boat. Have you ever been there before? You ever been in a place where the storm is raging around you and you're just kind of asleep? Like you don't recognize it, even if it's your fault. Like this storm is Jonah's fault and yet he doesn't seem to even notice. I've been there before. My, my wife and I, we've been married for over 20 years and uh, probably because we can make fun of each other and uh, take pictures of each other. Uh, but I would say right now, like we're, we have the healthiest marriage we've ever had. And it's been that way for, for a, 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 nice, a nice season, but it hasn't always been that way. Like six years into our marriage, um, uh, my wife had this unique nursing job that took her away from uh, me, took her away from her church, and took her away from her friends quite frequently. Uh, and, but it made us a lot of money. And at a time, I'm like, man, we, we need money. Like, it would be good to have a good bit of money. She definitely was my sugar mama, for sure. Uh, and I felt like Scrooge McDuck. Do you remember the DuckTales where he's like swimming in the coins? I felt like that. Like I felt like we were, man, we had so much money, but we really didn't. Uh, at that time, I, I'd been in ministry for 11 years. I had my master's degree, and I was making just over 20 grand. So it's not like we actually had a lot of money, uh, but it felt like it. We were finally able to go on our first vacation as a married couple. Like this was awesome. What I didn't realize is I was sleeping. That there was a storm raging around us. I had no clue what my wife's job was doing to her, what it was doing to our relationship, what it was doing to her physically, what it was doing to her spiritually. Until one day she looked at me and she said, Ernest, our marriage is terrible. 
and I don't like our church, I want to quit. By the way, that's the church that I worked at. So not a good thing. It wasn't Front Range. It was another one. I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's possible that you can just quit our church. And she's like, and I hate my job. The storm I, I finally had to wake up from. It was a storm caused by my greed, by my wanting more, by my needing more. But a storm I had no clue that we were even in until she woke me up. You ever been asleep in life? You ever been asleep in a relationship or in your purpose? The storm can be raging around you, but you don't even notice it because you're so focused on whatever the, the benefits are, whatever the, the things are that you want to do, that you don't realize how damaging the situation you are, are in is and what it's doing to you. Solomon, who was a, the third king of the nation of Israel, he's regarded as one of the wisest men to have ever lived. He said this in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 10. He said, stern discipline awaits anyone who leaves the path. Jonah had left the path. The one who hates correction will die. He says stern discipline. Other translations say harsh discipline. We get this, right? When somebody does something that is opposed to God or, or something that they're not supposed to do, we get that discipline is a part of that. We definitely get that when it comes to our kids. We're like, well, yeah, they deserve to be disciplined. But this, this verse isn't talking about kids. It's talking about everybody. There is stern discipline that will happen to us if we leave the path. Meaning what? Meaning that there are times in our lives where God will send a storm to get us back on path. I'm not saying every storm that you face in life is from God. Some of the storms that you and I face are just life. It's just stuff happens, right? Other storms are from Satan, like the real enemy of your soul is coming and attacking you. But there are some times when you and I have left the path that God has us on that God will do whatever it takes to draw you back because he knows the destination you're heading for. He knows the results that will happen if you keep going the direction that you are right now. He knows what's going to happen to you, to your relationships, to the people around you. So he will cause a storm sometimes to draw you back to himself. Now, there's not one person that I know that loves storms, right? Like maybe like thunder and lightning outside, but not like no one says, hey, I really just want pain in my life. I would really love some like hard troubles to like get me through this season. Like no one says that. So, like, why would God cause storms in our life? Because he loves you. Like, God loves you so much that he'll do anything to draw you back to himself. He'll do anything to draw you back onto the path that he's called you to be on. Because he knows the result, if you don't come back on the path, is so much greater, so much worse. So there's times where he'll cause a storm to say, I'm causing this because I love you. Like when you look at Jonah's story, he didn't cause this storm because he was angry at Jonah, because he was spiteful of Jonah, it's because he loved him. And he loved the Ninevites. So he's saying, Jonah, not only because I love you and I want what's best for you, but because I, I'm calling you to these people and I love them, that I need you to get back on track. So sometimes God will cause a storm to get our attention, to pull us back to himself. Let's continue with the story. Look at Verse 7, it says, Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this, for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord and the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. Clearly they'd heard about God at some point. And they asked, what have you done? 
They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked them, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? So Jonah, at this point, he's not willing to admit, hey, it's, it's on me. The storm is one that I've caused. So they cast lots. Casting lots would be like, like drawing straws, uh, something like that. And so the lot falls on Jonah. And so now at this point, Jonah's like, okay, it was me. My bad. And this part of the story teaches us that, that there are some times when storms are caused because of our sin that it's going to impact other people. Like these sailors are like, hey, we did nothing wrong. Why did you come on our boat? Who are you? What are you doing? When they realize he's running from God, they're like, man, you brought this on us. And now they're, they're caught in a quandary. Like, what do we do? Because there's maritime laws of, of safe passage, meaning that if there is a passenger on your ship, you are responsible for getting that person safely to the destination. But then they're faced with that versus an, a, a God who's going, hey, I'm going to keep this storm up until my prophet turns. So what do they do? They're not sure. They're kind of stuck in the middle of this. So they ask Jonah, hey, Jonah, what are we to do with you? And here's what he says in, in verse 12. He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. I find it fascinating that Jonah says, hey, pick me up and throw me into the sea. At first, this seems heroic. Like, wow, what a good guy. Like Jonah is saying, just, just kill me, guys. But it's actually selfish. Think about it for a moment. All Jonah had to do was say, hey, guys, hold on. Just give me five minutes, and let me just kind of go off to the side, and let me repent. Let me ask God for forgiveness, and all of this will be done with. The storm will cease. You can drop me off in the next port. I'll start heading toward Nineveh. I'll do what God's called me to do, but he doesn't. He's so rebellious that even in this point where the sailors are like, what do we do with you? All he had to do is get off to the side and just pray and ask for forgiveness, but he doesn't want to. He's so rebellious. He's not willing to, to, to turn from that. And so he says, well, just kill me. Just do away with my life. And it teaches us our last point, and that's this, that we're always given a choice to run or follow. You and I are always given a choice to run or follow. Here's the beautiful thing about God. God, God is not someone that's going to force you to do something. He may cause storms to turn your attention to him to try to get you back on the right path, but ultimately it's your choice. And I think choosing to run from God is easier than to follow God. Not because the actions are easier, Right? It actually would have been easier for Jonah to stay on the ship, pray and ask God to forgive him, and move on. That would have been easier than getting thrown into the sea and possibly dying. But I think it's actually easier to flee because when you flee, then it's about what you want and your desires. And to follow God is all about humility. And humility is not something that we're really taught in our culture. It's not something that most of us do well with. It's not something that we as men do well with. You see, pride says, I can do this on my own. I'll take care of this. Throw me into the sea and I'll figure it out. That's what fleeing from God does. But following God says, okay, man, I can't figure this out. I can't do this on my own. I need God. I need his help. And that takes humility and it's difficult. But if you and I choose to flee, choose to run from God, then we have to understand it impacts our lives and it impacts the lives of those around us like this story. Take a look. I'm Charles. 
And I'm Maggie. We have a four-year-old son named Charlie and a two-year-old daughter named Rose. Just over two years ago, um, I was a full-blown alcoholic. I drank every single day, used drugs, um, was completely enslaved to sin. I was raised in a Christian home and grew up in a, a really strong Bible-believing church. Was involved in youth groups and went to Sunday school, went to church every week, was baptized when I was 11, um, did all that stuff, knew all the answers to the Sunday school questions. But I never truly surrendered to God. And there was also always a part of me that was holding back. I started drinking when I was 14, started partying when I was in high school, and then that continued into college. Um, and got pretty serious then, and got into some hard drugs as well. And by the time I was a senior in college, there was, it was extremely rare that I was sober for longer than a day. I was always telling myself that I would stop drinking when I get the right job or when I get married. And then when I got married, it was like, all right, well, I'll stop drinking when we have kids. And then we had Charlie, and then I was like, all right, well, I'll stop when I get the next right job. But that is not the way the story played out from that point on until I got sober when I was 29. Um, I drank every single day. I had gotten all the things that I had ever dreamed of and all the things that I thought were supposed to make me happy. I had a beautiful wife, a beautiful son, but I wasn't happy and I couldn't stop drinking um, no matter how hard I tried. Like I tried again and again and again on my own. And I would even cry out to God saying like, God, just please take this away. But there was no actual surrender and I never told anyone else what was going on. And I wasn't honest with a single person, including myself for over a decade. And I didn't know there was just a lot going on. And so I thought, well, I don't know if he's really drinking that much or if it's just like the stress of everything that's going on. I mean, I have been praying for Charles for years. Even though I didn't know he was an alcoholic, um, I was concerned about it. I had written this prayer out for Charles. I just said, God, help me to turn to you each day and earnestly pray. Help me to pray without ceasing. I am quick to distract myself and turn to other things. Lord, I need you right now. I pray and beg you to heal Charles. Heal him from the inside out. Make him more like Jesus. Please protect our marriage, our son, and our future children. God, help me to encourage, speak life, sharpen, and sanctify Charles. Come, Lord Jesus, come. I love you and praise you. Amen. The last time I remember drinking, um, I woke up to a note from Maggie on the counter, and it said, Charles, I know you've been lying to me again. And the last thing I remember from the night before was polishing off a bottle of whiskey and then driving to the liquor store because the first bottle wasn't enough. But when I read Maggie's note, the Holy Spirit just used it to cut through to my soul. And right then and there, I knew like, I cannot keep living like this, God. Like I cannot do this anymore. And I've tried and tried and tried. And right then, that morning, I surrendered to Jesus. And like, I mean, surrendered like, I had never done before. That same day, I told Maggie um, everything about what was going on. The next day, I started going to a 12-step program, and I walked up and raised my hand, and I said, I'm Charles, and I'm an alcoholic, and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. 
Now when I look back, God just kept pursuing me. Like his relentless pursuit of me is something that I will never get over. I wasn't fighting alone anymore. Jesus was fighting for me. And I had uh, an incredible group of people around me. Really my life was driven by fear, trying to fill the void with earthly things. And none of it worked, none of it worked. And then I surrendered to Jesus and everything changed. And like our life, our lives are infinitely better than anything I could have ever dreamed of. It's hard to put into words because God has done so much in his life. And by working in Charles's life has then worked in our marriage, in our children's lives, our future child's life. Uh, there's a passage in 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter three, about how we are all being transformed into his image. Um, and I just love that because it means it's happening right now, present tense, and it's continual. And I know God's doing that in my life and he continues to do that in Charles's life until we meet him face to face. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, just come out and surrender. And like Jesus is there waiting for you. And no matter how big your problem might seem, he can heal and he can fix the brokenness and he will. He promises the abundant life in the right here, the right now, full of love, hope, peace, and joy. And like we have found that to be true, and it is true. Not to say that life is perfect, but you get to walk through it with him, and like it's so, so worth it. One of the lines that Charles said in that is that as looking back, God, you can see God continually pursuing him. And I think that's so true for all of us. And the beauty about God is that he's going to let you choose. Right? He's not going to force you to change or make a decision, but he's going to do everything possible to try to draw your heart to himself. He's going to do everything possible to try to draw you back on the right path. And I promise when you do it, when you choose to actually surrender to him, God will transform everything. I mean, when Charles chose to actually start following Jesus and to give up the alcoholism. He even said it, his life is infinitely better. He now feels called to ministry. He um, started doing our Front Range University, the thing that Pastor Johnny was talking about earlier. He's one of our interns in that. And, um, and we're walking through, man, what does that look like? What does ministry look like for you? And, and what is that calling? How does that play out? And one of the things that him and a few others um, in our church are gonna be starting is a recovery group uh, called Celebrate Recovery. And so if you're interested here, I'm going to take a little commercial break. If you're interested in Celebrate Recovery or a recovery group of some sort, if you're interested in playing a part in that, I want to encourage you just write down recovery group on your connect card and just, you can turn it in, you can drop it in the offering boxes, you can take it to our uh, connections tent, whatever. But if you're like, man, I'd like to know more about that. Whether it's for you or whether because you're like, hey, I've been a part of this in some way. I had a guy last, last uh, service that came up to me. He's been clean for just over a year. And he's like, tell me more. I want to be a part. I mean, if you want to be a part in any way, then just write it down because we're looking for groups of people right now that are interested in starting this and seeing what that could look like for our town. There's nothing in our town like that. And there's people like Charles all over that are struggling, that need the hope of Christ. And here's been my prayer. My prayer is that today, that God will speak to you in a significant way. That if you're in a path right now where you're running from him, that he'll do something to grab your attention. For me, it was when Sarah said, hey, our marriage is terrible. Like no husband wants to hear that, but I needed it. I needed to wake up. And once I listened to her and I submitted myself to God in this area of our life, I knew that it meant 
less income and less comforts and all of that, but it's led to the healthiest marriage I could ever imagine. For Charles, it was a letter written by his wife, Maggie, that she left to say, here's the deal. So you don't have to wait till you get a letter or until your spouse turns to you or somebody else turns to you and says, man, you've got to change. But maybe you need that change. And my prayer is that today God's been saying, it's you. Choose to follow today. It may be in a relationship, maybe in your spiritual journey, maybe something to do with sexuality or some of the things you're doing in that aspect, whatever it may be. Our hope and prayer is that today we will choose to follow him. As we do, we'll watch God direct our paths, bring healing, bring restoration, just like he's done in my marriage, Charles's marriage and his life, and so many others. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the story of Jonah, God, and just how his story is my story. And God, for all of us, God, there's times where we run from you, and it's so much easier to do that. Even, even if it's hard at times, it's so much easier to run from you because, God, it's us doing our own will and choosing our own path. God, all of us can admit that and it doesn't lead to where we want to go. It doesn't lead to the health that we're longing for, the relational substance that we're looking for. It doesn't lead to being a man or a woman it's thriving and so Father we pray that right now as you speak to us God as you call out areas of our lives where we're not following you that we would choose to follow today Father we know this entire conversation really starts big picture in our following of you and I, go, I know God that every single week we have people who walk into this place and if we're going to be real honest we'd say you know what I I don't feel I don't feel close to God I don't feel like I can hear from God I feel like I'm very distant from him I've been running my own path doing my own thing and it's just not working and if that's you God's saying today just come home what does that mean it means recognizing that you're a sinner we all are we all fall short of God's perfect standard and then receiving what Christ has done on the cross for us that yet while we we're still sinners Christ died for us that he took the punishment that we deserve to take. He took it so that we could have life, so we could be forgiven. But the beauty is he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead three days later to show his power over sin and over death. To show his ability to release us from addictions, to set us free, to redeem, to restore, to heal. But it takes us choosing today to follow. So if that's you, if you want to follow Christ, if you want to give your life to Christ, maybe it's for the first time, or maybe you've done that before, but man, you know that God's calling you home today. You want to recommit your life to Christ with every head bowed, eyes closed. If that's you, I just want you to raise a hand. I just want to know who to pray for. Amen. 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 Father, thank you so much for each one of these individuals. Thank you that you know them by name. You know their story. I know there are people watching at home right now. If that's you, just text the word follow to the number you see on the screen. And I just want to let you know, whether you're in person or you're watching online, that God sees you, he knows you, he loves you. Welcome home. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice for us. 
so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be made new, so we don't have to be controlled by addiction, so we can be set free. Father, for all of us, tell us what our next steps are. There's areas of our lives, oh God, where we've been trying to control, we've been doing on our own. God, I pray that we would make a change before the storm comes, but for those of us in the storm, God, let us make the change today. In Jesus' name.